Like in a well-directed suspense movie, I clearly remember the tension and anxiety building within me during the train journey home. We'd fallen into a communications black hole for a while, partly because there were no updates to be passed along, and secondly, because when things did begin to move once more, they did so at such an escalated pace that Esther was unable to even text me. The various heart scans and readings taken from Harry had been sent to Birmingham Children's Hospital, known throughout the region as BCH. But by the time I arrived back in Worcester, I learned that Harry and Esther were no longer in the Royal Infirmary there. What had been seen at BCH had caused sufficient consternation to order the immediate transfer of mother and son directly to the specialist care of the children's hospital. They were both ushered rapidly into an ambulance and blue-lighted 40 or so miles across to Birmingham. With Esther already having spent one unexpected night in hospital, I firstly needed to go home and collect a few essentials for my wife to change into. I also wanted to check on my mother-in-law Pat, who was looking after Lewis, and to reassure our older son that everything was going to be fine. Harry was in hospital and that was the best thing for everyone. They'd soon make him better there because that's what hospitals did after all. Another train took me to Birmingham and I made my way quickly via the well-signposted entrance for BCH and onto the relevant ward. Though the exhaustion had not entirely vanished from Esther's face, it had now been eclipsed by a mask of terror and worry. We knew little more about Harry's condition at this stage. Our son had been put on a drip with no fewer than four IV feeds into his body, one in each hand and foot. Esther had been asked to leave the room when this was done, with staff only too aware of the anxiety this procedure caused to parents. A nurse came out to clarify some questions about Harry, and we prepared ourselves for what we assumed would be another round of explaining his lack of sleep and irregular feeding habits. Instead, she asked about his body tone. Does he often go very rigid, as though stretching every muscle in his body at once? We've witnessed him do this once or twice already. Harry hated being fussed or disturbed. Whenever we had to change his nappy, he went into such a frantic state that his muscles would contract, his back would tense and his entire body became as solid as a piece of wood. But as he had been doing this since his very first days, we now took it as standard. Esther had simply got into the habit of performing a Formula One style nappy change. She had it down to a matter of seconds. Without knowing any better, we were actually somewhat proud of our son's almost extraordinary strength. We confirmed what the nurse had asked. And does he ever hold his breath, as though he cannot exhale? Yes, Harry did that whilst he was in his tantrum. We could get away without this occurring if the nappy change were quick enough, but otherwise a short puff of breath into his mouth would get him breathing again. And what about his eyes? Do they ever sort of flicker, as though he's dreaming with his eyelids open? Again, yes, this was part of Harry's character. When was the first time you noticed any or all of these? Harry had been doing all of those things since he'd first been born. The nurse thanked us and left, but we were left unsure as to whether our answers pleased her or not. Sometime later in the evening, we were told that there would be no further update to the situation that day. Harry was comfortable, sedated and sleeping, and being fed by IV tubes. Our son was being kept under close observation. If we wanted, we could go home and return the next day. Esther refused to leave. She wanted me to go back and relieve her mum of babysitting duties for one night, but then she wanted me to return again in the morning. She hoped she'd know more by then. We both hoped so. The strain of not knowing was becoming unendurable. Waiting in hospitals is torture. I really don't know how Esther could stand any more of it. I'd only been there a matter of hours, and I'd had enough already. Esther thinks it's a lack of control, which could be right. The feeling of helplessness is pure hell to me. Yet Esther chose to stay the night at BCH. 
By some miracle, there was a spare bed in one of the children's rooms, and the nurses took pity on my wife and let her sleep in the comfort of a bed. The 24th of November dawned and regular everyday chores had to be done. I washed, fed and helped Lewis to dress, then took him to school as normal. When dropping the car back home in readiness to catch the train back to BCH, I bumped into our next door neighbour who ran a little shop around the corner. I remember explaining to him that Harry had a heart murmur and was at the children's hospital, with both of us agreeing in a neighbourly way that this was the best thing and that everything would be fine now that Harry was at BCH. And indeed, arriving at the hospital, it certainly looked as though things were in hand. A cardiologist was due to speak to us and tell us the full detailed schedule for the day, but we understood that it was currently planned for Harry to have surgery at the next available opportunity. We were unclear at this point as to the nature or scale of this surgery, and all we could do was be as optimistic as possible. 